Hello and welcome back to the Seriously Good Podcast. I am your host, Casey Evans, and as always, I'm joined from sunny Scotland by Danny Corcoran. How are you doing today, Danny? Less sunny, more grey and grim today, but yeah, no, I'm good. Um, on, holi- on, <laughs> on holiday next week, so, you know, living the dream, but how are you? A bit under the weather. Yeah, I'm not feeling too good, but I'm fine. I'm talking about Syria for a bit, it'll be, it'll be all right. So yeah, as Danny's just alluded to, he is leaving us all to go to sunny Spain, not Italy. He's going to Spain to watch Sevilla. So we won't this we won't have an episode next week. So this will be sort of a little little bit before the break. We decided let's talk about relegation. Let's get even more depressing. Let's let's leave you with something, and that is all the teams that are probably gonna go down or might go down at the end of the season. But before we get into that, as always, we have the roundup. I'm going to start with the other news this time around before we go into the results because the other news kind of affects this. And it's the fact that Juventus won parts of their appeal. They didn't win everything, obviously. I think Fabio Baratici's part was upheld. Uh, and all the bans to the, the people that were involved. But in terms of their match, uh, that had their season and their results on the pitch. They had the 15 points returned to them and now Juventus sit third in the table and they're very comfortably third in the table. So that has put a massive spanner in the works of many, many clubs race for the top four. So at the moment it stands Napoli at the top. They have a chance to win the title uh, next week because they beat Juventus 1-0 and I'm going to just pause on that and let Danny talk about that because he probably watched it because he has to watch all Juventus games because he hates himself <laughs> yeah that was um, it wasn't the best game for like 80 minutes and then it just went so chaotic so Di Maria scored an excellent goal from a Juventus break but Milik was a judge to have filled Labotka deep inside Juventus's half before then, I don't know if that was a foul. I, I think it was harsh. I think if that was your team, you'd be very, very annoyed. But obviously got chalked off. Then Juventus scored again, but the ball was out of play. And then in the final minutes of the game, can't remember who crossed it over, but Raspadori just... Someone teed up Raspadori for this perfect volley. I think... Chesney should have probably done better. It kind of just bounces off his shins and goes in the goal. But yeah, Raspadori hasn't scored a lot for Napoli this season, but he'll have that moment. He'll become this cult hero because Napoli don't tend to go to Turin and win. And when they do, and when it's going to be a league winning season, it's a very memorable moment. Yeah, so Napoli couldn't win it with their next game um, because I think, obviously, it may, if they win and Lazio lose then they cannot be caught. And Lazio, after losing 1-0 to Torino this week, are heading to Inter, who won 3-0 at Empoli. They actually managed to get a result in the league for once. Um, one of the matches I watched that I quite enjoyed was the uh, Monza-Fiorentina match. I, I said, we kind of spoke about this when we were talking about the running, about how much Monza would be a stumbling block for people. And they've kind of just proven that twice now already. And they've still got a few more games to go. They won 3-2. And it was kind of was a game of a little bit little slips up um, some places because Salatana beat Sassuolo 3-0, which was a really surprising result. I don't know if you saw any of that. You you are the Sassuolo boy. You enjoyed the, watching them. Uh, but that was a very weird result. Uh, it kind of 
keeping up with it in real time and watching the goals as they went in. Um, yeah, Salonitan obviously had that great escape last year and become like kind of this fairly solid mid-table team. I think it's just getting to that stage of the season where like there's a big gulp, gap in points between Sissuolo and Salernitana and like 13th and 14th. We're just going to get a bunch of weird results. A lot of teams will have just kind of rein it in until the end of the season. On the Fiorentina one, I think it's probably, that result will probably signal them going all in on the Conference League and not really caring about the league. They're not going to make the European places, I don't think. They'll just focus on getting through the semi-final and then a final in the Conference League and that'll get them Europa League football and that'll put them in a great position for next year. And I'd say they're probably slight favourites over West Ham for the the Conference League. I mean, West Ham have a bigger budget than Fiorentina, but I think Fiorentina have a better coach and a, probably a better squad if you look at them. Are you disrespecting the, the great David Moyes and his management style? If so, then you should be because I don't think he's a good manager. <laughs> but we'll move on from that. Um, yeah, and, and, and the final one before we touch on, because we're going to touch on a couple of the other results because they matter in terms of what we're going to be talking about today. There was a big match in terms of the race for that final top four place uh, between Atalanta and Roma. And Atalanta won 3-1 and that was a great game to watch because it was just one of those games where you could see Mourinho on the sideline just completely and utterly losing his mind uh, because his team were just completely and utterly ran over. I mean, they would go from Pasalic to Loy and Miners, and then Pellegrini, as always, kind of chipped in with the consolation goal. Uh, with the, with Roma's only shot on target, they were absolutely woeful. They had a lot of the possession, but they were just doing absolutely nothing with it. Did you see any of this game, Danny? I did. I saw a big chunk of it. It was just it wasn't a good Roma performance. And when you consider Roma would have gone to fifty nine points if they won here, and that would be level with Juve, who had obviously lost the night before. It would have probably put them in a very very good position to finish fourth. But now. Milan have kind of jumped over them. Roma look a bit mm, meh, for lack of a better word. And like we've said with Fiorentina, do they just now focus on the Europa League, even though that's a lot harder? They play Leverkusen, who Xabi Alonso is doing really good things with, and then they might play Juventus or they might play a team <laughs> that are very good at Europa League football in Sevilla. So I think they should probably have focused more on the league, but yeah, it wasn't good from Roma. I mean, Pellegrini scored that great goal, but then, I mean, literally, like, less than a minute later, Coop Miners just went up the other end and scored and sealed the game. I don't think Mourinho will be impressed, but Gasparini always does well against Mourinho, and, and that's a result that maybe, I don't think Atalanta will finish in the top four, but it definitely throws them into contention to to go on a run and even Europa League football will be great for Atalanta next year like we've mentioned previously obviously Dybala came on he didn't start they've been really missing him I think obviously because of his injury and I think that's kind of shown they'll be glad to have him back for this Europa League run for sure because I think one of the big things this, the last few weeks of Roma has shown is just that Tammy Abraham is not the player he was last season he's kind of not getting anywhere near the goal scoring rate at all and they just and none of their other options really are that prolific goal scorers either. Obviously, they brought Sobakan in, and they brought in Balotti, who was a really good Serie A 
goal scorer, but he's just not doing it in the Serie A this season. So yeah, I think Roma, Roma were hoping to kind of grind out results, but it's whether they can also be secure at the back as well because it looked this wasn't like vintage Mourinho where he kind of just grinded out the one nil. It looked they were quite open in large parts of this, especially when they were caught on the counter attack. It's quite interesting on Dybala, I think all the figures have come out about his release clause, so it's 20 million euros for Italian clubs to get him from Roma this summer, but if an Italian club comes in, Roma can trigger a wage increase that gets rid of that clause, but for all non-Italian clubs, it's 12 million euros to get Dybala in the summer. And he is getting on now and he does have injury issues, but 12 million euros for a guy that has the impact he does is... Probably a good deal for a lot of clubs in around the Champions League next season. Yeah, you're looking at a couple of clubs in Spain, I think, that definitely would activate that, like the sort of uh, that. Even like an Aston Villa. Could you imagine Aston Villa with him instead of Coutinho? Like, it's the sort of thing of just like, it's kind of mad where that's such a low release clause. And it was it was very weird, the timing of it. Like, the as you said, it just kind of started coming out the minute that Milan sort of leapfrogged it and he didn't look like it was Champions League football for them next season, given that Milan are playing a lot better. You're not suggesting an agent has leaked that, have you? <laughs> I'm not suggesting it, because I'm pretty sure it's always been been relevant information and information that everyone's kind of had access to. I'm just, the timing of it being very publicly broadcast is what I'm po- pointing to. But, yeah, I think Dybala probably doesn't stay another season at Roma. I, I kind of referenced this a while ago, I think it was when we were doing the running episode, I was like, it did... Dybala's season was kind of like that Baggio season from like the, the 2000s where he played with Bologna, where it just seemed to be like he went to a team that was slightly below where he wanted to be so he could show off to go to another team because he couldn't go straight from Juventus because Juventus had managed to tank his reputation so massively somehow. But let, let's get into relegation now. We've, st- we've, we've enjoyed talking about some good stuff. Let's talk about embarrassing stuff. Um so when we, we first started this podcast, so if you want to go back and listen all the way to that, uh, with first episode, we kind of talked through the season so far because we started halfway through. But we picked uh, teams that we, we were impressed by. We picked teams we were disappointed by. Danny picked Fiorentina. It's been a constant joke on this podcast because ever since he said that, Fiorentina have been playing well. But I picked Sampdoria. And at that point, Sampdoria were in 19th place. They had played absolutely terribly. They were not scoring goals. They were not defending any goals. They were losing every single match that they came up against. And it has not improved because now Sampdoria are bottom. They have somehow fallen behind Cremonense, who we will talk about in a moment. Uh, and they have lost, as we both pointed out at this before, off camera before we start recording, they have lost 20 games Yes, that is 20. That is double-double figures. That is horrific. They've drawn eight, and they've won three. And, yeah, the one one of the three was an important one because it was against Verona, who they're in a uh, relegation scrap kind of with. But I don't think they're getting out of this, Danny. No, and it's been going this way for a long time with Sampdoria. I mean, they're like one of Italy's most famous clubs. They've had a lot of success like back in the 90s they had Mancini and Viale um, Graham Souness played for them in the 90s I think Trevor Francis played for them as well like he's like the back when big like British footballers went to Serie A are you telling me that big British footballers aren't going to Sampdoria with Harry Winks playing in defence well, yeah that, that is true and apparently they're going to spend 20 million euros on them even though they'll be in Serie B 
So we'll see how that plays out. It's not happening. Um, like even in more recent times, like Sampdoria are famous for their scouting and their young younger players. I mean, Bruno Fernandez was there for a spell. Um, Mikel Damsgaard was there for a while. Uh, there was another guy, Omar Colley, uh was there. I think he left in January to go to the Bundesliga. But like, they are just the worst team in the league. And to be the worst team in the league that has had Cremonese that didn't win a game till the end of February is just, that's a special level of bad. It's just such a badly run football club. And if you think of that city, like Genoa, they had two really solid Serie A clubs like going back for ages with Genoa and Sampdoria. And now I think Genoa are going to come up. I think they're second in Serie B, but that city's taken a real hit <laughs> footballing-wise in the last few years. And yeah, I mean, they've scored 20 goals all season. From They've only had 10 guys that have scored and their top scorer has six goals. And that is for a Premier League former player in Gabby Adini, who's like their best player by miles and miles, which will just tell you the level that Sampdoria are at. Yeah, Gabby Adini of Southampton fame. Uh, he, he, yeah, it's just one of those things where there's no identity. It's not even like there's no identity. There is no identity that they even have ever played football in their lives. Like They don't know how to pass it around the pitch. They don't know how to score goals regularly. They don't know how to defend. They've they've conceded fifty two and obviously, which is less than Cremonese, uh, but they have only scored twenty, and it, they are rock bottom for a reason. It kind of is mad that this club that obviously has this great history, this great sort of thing of being a mid table um, Syria club in the the two thousands and the twenty uh, tens, has now just fallen this far. But it has been a regular sort of thing. They've had some good players, but they've always sold them and then not reinvested in recent years. And it, yeah, it's just it's, it's a sad way to go, but it's one of those ones where it's like they've not helped themselves at all, and it's not going to go anywhere. It's basically like Italian derby at this point. So, like, like you said, with the identity, even at, like in the recruitment, it, they used to be like quite smart and pick up obviously guys from like lower value markets like Denmark. They scouted in Scandinavia quite a bit. Now it just seems kind of weird. Like they brought in Sam Lammers, who Atalanta picked up from Dutch football, I think, as like this low value project. But then he went there, didn't really hit. He's a striker, didn't really score. Went to Frankfurt, didn't really score. And like all strikers seem to score at Frankfurt, so alarm bells have to be ringing there. And then they picked him up. He's had like one or two goals this season. And then they've obviously signed Harry Winks. That could have kind of been smart, maybe, but like Harry Winks is just like a crab of a footballer. He just passes sideways, and he's, I don't know, maybe he'll give you some tempo, but he's just not that good. And then, like, their last signing in January was to sign Jesse Rodriguez, who obviously was at Real Madrid, PSG, then Stoke, and then became a reggaeton singer. <laughs> And like that is. Can I just can I just stop you for a second? That you just said reggaeton. Is that some sort of Transformers thing? It's reggaeton. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you said you said reggaeton. I'm like, is this the is this some culturally appropriating Transformer that you just described? Yeah. It is. Like... Have you not seen the trailer? He's in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that is the worst hail mary signing of all time. I think he scored one goal since he come back, and uh, it's just a mess. Sometimes you think. And I, th- I think, like, with Gabby Dini's former club, Southampton, a lot of people have been like, oh, they'll go down and then they'll 
they're kind of young and they can kind of recover. They can still give these guys game time. If Sampdoria go down, I do not know when they'll be back up. It's a mess. Yeah, it's financially a mess as well. Like in general, like they're just not reinvesting. Like maybe they can find something, but because if the club or the town, city, Genoa gets behind them. But yeah, it's just it just seems to be a complete and utter just mess there. Uh, but above them, there's kind of two teams that you can definitely say are gonna go down unless they manage to pull an absolute blinder in the in the back end in these like final seven games. But Cremonese, Cremonese are on 19 points. They're two points above them. They've also only won three games. However, the great team that they are, they have drawn two more games than Sampdoria and sit on 19 points. They are also not very good, as we already have alluded to. They didn't win till February. A lot of the similar things that I've just said about Sampdoria, I can also say about Criminality. But at the same time, I can give them a lot more leeway because you expect it. It's a club coming up. They don't have the money or resources of any other Serie A team. There's always that one club that comes up from the Serie B who are just lucky to be there and you definitely know they're going straight back down because they just don't have any sort of the resources of anyone else like they don't have the resources of the Monza who spent a lot of money to get back up they don't, they don't have kind of like the solidity or the sort of project or sort of future planning of someone like Spezia or someone else who comes up at like Lecce like those ones where you're like oh you can kind of see where they would be if they managed to stay for a few while but they might go down in like two or three seasons they're definitely just going straight back down uh, and yeah, it's it's definitely it's, it was nearly Benevento all over again, but they managed to somehow pull together three wins. That's exactly the team that comes to mind, like with Cremonese. It's, it's the Benevento theory. Like there's one Serie B team that will just bounce straight back down. It just tends to always happen. Although whisper it quietly, they have won two out of the last three in the league, Cremonese. So the great escape might be on. I think they're like seven points from safety. Uh, it's just been a very strange season because obviously like it, they very famously didn't win until they beat Roma of all teams at home at the end of February but they were also in the semi-finals until last night of the Coppa Italia so like how did they get there they just had like a bunch of guys that have bounced around like Serie A, Serie B um, they tried to do something but they didn't really have the resources I think we might see them again in like a year's time because they're a team that know how to do Serie B because Serie B is a very complicated and just a general mismatch of a league with a bunch of weird stuff happening. Like you won't, you'll see like Venezia went down last year and then ended up they're like kicking around the bottom. I know you wrote about it, <laughs> um, but then you'll have like. Benevento that are always at the top no matter what they're always kicking around the top they've got like Frosinone always kicking about the top Cremonese will be one of those teams that will constantly make the playoffs even though about eight teams get to the playoffs um, but yeah cut them some slack it's there's was their first year back they've had some moments and I think they've enjoyed the ride even though they were probably miserable until February they've had a, a last their last hurrah has been fun and who knows? Maybe, maybe they've got Verona this weekend. If they win that, they're kind of looking like, well, we could do something here. To use a basketball analogy, because I know all our Serie A listeners know about basketball, Cremonese's strategy kind of reminds me of the Miami Heat, maybe like 2016-17, uh, where 
basically Miami Heat had the bright idea of, you know, in this league full of superstars who really carry teams, as you can see with current day Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, they went, what if we just get a load of underappreciated guys who are like the, the some of the worst players on that team or the less like least played players on that team who might be able to do something for us and pay them more money than they're worth to come in and be like the main guys. And then we just were knocking about Wayne Ellington just taking three pointers, and it was the most shocking basketball that I've ever watched in my life because no one knew what was going on. We had Tyler Johnson as like a a regular scorer of fourteen points, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely worth like fourteen million a year." I'm like, "No, this is not this is not fun to watch." But it just arrived to that they were like, "We'll pick up these Serie A and Serie B like stalwarts who've kind of been around for a while and just like bring them in and kind of hope that they make a team of like experience and." kind of fit together as pieces and we can then maybe just kind of crash our way to 17th or crash our way to 16th and it's just completely fallen flat on their face. <laughs> so. I have just looked at their fixtures. Now, their away games are awful. They're away at Milan, they're away at Juventus and they're away at Lazio. But their home games are Verona, Spezia, Bologna and Salernitana. Now, there's some winnable games in there and if they could take like nine points and say one of Spezia, Verona, Lecce just lose out, which is honestly possible at this point. They might make it. They won't, but they might. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put it this way. Like We're going we're gonna to probably dive into it a little bit more, but Lecce suck. Like, they suck so bad. They're really, really bad. I watched them, I can't remember which game it was the other week, where they were against someone, and they were horrid. I can say, like, it's a team that you don't expect to do well in the Serie A, but they are... If, if Verona manage to pull themselves out of this, which I expect them to do, I do expect it's Let's see that are going to replace them. But we're going to talk a bit more about that anyway now, so I won't, I won't give away my game too much, even though I have. Uh, Verona are on 26 points. They're kind of... They're, they're in a much better position than they were a few weeks ago. I think they were, they were definitely kind of looking like they were going to drift off, but as we mentioned before, kind of like Spezia and Lecce have just kind of stumbled a bit and it's kind of allowed Verona to kind of creep back in. They're on 26 points, Spezia on 27 points, Lecce on 28 points. And then I think you can kind of count Empoli and Salatana on 32 and 33 points as kind of still in the mix if it all goes to pot because they're only six points off, or they're only like six or seven points off Verona. So there is, it is like a two to three game swing there if certain teams win. Then, because obviously, like you said, like you you could say, well, Cremonese have all these teams to play above them, and it could bring them back. But then you've also got to take it as a reverse of Spezia Lecce have Cremonese to play as well. Um, so that could cause some problems as well. Yeah, I think Salernitana, firstly, have a bit more quality than the other teams around there. Um, they've obviously got the man with six fingers, <laughs> Ochoa. In goals, he, he does not have six fingers. It's just a thing that bounces I thought, around. I was about to say, I was about to say, Danny, this, we got, it was that an insult? It's like no, no, no. There's, 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 like, yeah, no yeah, the, there's that picture that like is obviously not real. It's like him holding up his glove. Um, the Mexican goalkeeper who like has making highlights saves week on week, and I think they've just got they've got like Dia who was at the World Cup with Senegal who can score a few goals. They they just have a bit more about them, uh, and they're quite. They're very well supported, so they like get a good atmosphere at home, and like that's just an intangible thing down there, because a few of the teams don't like Verona Stadium is horrible and half empty half the time. 
and then with M play, I think also you prob they've probably just done enough. I think their form the last few months has really hit a wall, and they probably need a lot of change in the summer if they want to refresh. But they also have guys like Baldanzi who is young but still good quality. They have Cutrone. Uh, they have what's his name? Oh, so it's a really it's really not a great endorsement when it goes. Oh, they have Baldanzi, and I'm like, okay, that's a good player, and then go. They have Cutrone, I'm like. Is are we still talking about good players here or are we just talking about just like alright guys uh, they're the, the guys that can pop up with a goal it's, uh, Caputo is the guy I was, I was thinking of who's like this seasoned old Serie A striker that, that one you know there's always a Serie A striker that's just kicked around the league for ages but constantly score goals there's a few of them Caputo's one of those guys I think they've just got enough they've had some really tough games in the past few weeks although they did get beat by Cremonese which isn't great but I think they've just done enough You'll re- you'll need a really low total to survive in Serie A this year. Like a, like that magic 40, par- 40 point mark is long gone. It'll be like 34, 35 points. You might end up staying up with that. I think Salazar and Empoli are probably fine. I think they've got enough in them to kind of make an occasional win and then that's all they kind of need. They're already like a few points ahead. I don't think that the teams below them are going to go on like mad winning runs uh, at all. Obviously, Empoli... Do have a bit of a harder run when they play to swallow away, but then they do have Bologna, Sartana. I mean, to be fair, it's it's a mixed bag of games that if they lose Empoli, it could be a problem because obviously, like I said, they've got they've got Sassuolo, Juventus, and Lazio, which are big games which they probably will lose, and then they've got Salatana, Bologna, Sampdoria, and Verona. Now, if they lose any of those, that kind of can spell a bit of trouble, especially if some of the other teams decide to get some form together. I think this is the thing, like, I think there's so many of these, with these teams as well, there's just the the problem that if they hit too many hard teams, that obviously already limits where they'll end up. Like, Sartana have a much easier run, I think. They've obviously got, they've got Fiorentina next, which is, oh no, sorry, they've got Napoli next. That's not fun for them. And then they've got uh, Fiorentina, they've got Atalanta, and they've got Roma, Cremonese, Udinese, and then they play Empoli as well. So that's not easy for Salatana as well. So even though they have that buffer, you could say that maybe they just are going to be playing the wrong teams. I think that that's probably what kind of limits where they'll end up. Uh, On the flip side, they could be playing a few of those teams that have kind of checked out a wee bit like I could see them easily beating Fiorentina at home because I think the week after that Fiorentina will be in the semi-final of the Conference League. It's a midweek game, so like exact, well near enough a week and a day after. Fiorentina are probably gonna rest a few guys if we're being honest. Like I think Salernitana need what like f- maybe four or five points from the remaining games to kind of solidify the fact that they're gonna be a Serie A team again. Uh, yeah, I think I can see them getting it. Like, as you get to this stage of the season, and and you do get like these freak results because teams have kind of coasting a little bit, or they've got other stuff to play for in cup competitions. Like Fiorentina are also in the Coppa Italia final, so they've got two cups to play for. They're not, they're elite. They're not going to go down. They're probably not going to get Champions League. They're going to kind of coast the league if we're being honest. So yeah. Salernitana and Empoli I think are fine Empoli's is a wee bit more like 
okay, there are some very bad games. And if you lose to a few of those teams that you need to beat in that run, they're automatic. That's like a six pointer, like that classic cliche. Like they will catch up to you quickly, so you need to watch out. But I just think they probably have enough. Yeah, and I think this is the thing. Like, it's going to be the case for all the other teams as well. Like, I think if I just look at Lecce's lineup just quickly, I should have this on notes already. But you know what? There's Google available next to me, so I can always just talk about it. Lecce obviously have Udinese, then Juventus, then Verona, then Lazio, then Spezia, Monza, Bologna. So they have some easier games on paper, but obviously they're wor- I think they're the worst team. So let's actually just talk about. I'd say the three prime candidates for that final relegation spot. You have Verona, you have Spezia, you have Lecce. Now, I'm going to say that I just want to talk about a bit about Spezia because I really have enjoyed Ethan Ampadu this season. I think he's done great. I, I, it's weird that Ethan Ampadu is now becoming a Serie A journeyman because he obviously played for Venezia last season. He obviously he came. He's now he did a bit of European globe trotting, played for RB Leipzig for a bit. But I think. A Serie A team should definitely pick him up the next season because he has been outstanding since they lost Kiriar. Um And he's just, he, he is one of their only players where I'm like, that guy has some exceptional quality that you could probably take to any other team. Uh, but, and obviously Chelsea will be looking to sell some players this summer. So I definitely think you should probably pick him up. So start let's start with Verona. What do you think of? Do you think Verona are going to kind of maybe stabilise? Because obviously it's kind of surprising that they're in this position. Obviously they played quite well last season. They lost their main goal scorer in Giovanni Simeone. We've already discussed this. But do you think that they have enough quality to kind of just pull themselves out of this in the final matches? Yes, quality probably not the best word. I just think they're slightly better than the two teams above them that we've obviously going to go on to speak about who I don't are... think quality was the best word for any of these yeah. teams Danny but like <laughs> yeah. but we'll go with quality in context is what uh, we'll say I think like Verona have been very solid for the past few years but obviously they lost uh, Igor Tudor to Marseille in the summer that was huge um, because he'd kind of take on the word that Juric had done um, and Verona had been very good at like coaching players up and, and selling them on in the last few years and I think the biggest miss from this season from last season to this season probably wasn't Simeone it was probably uh, Antonio Barrick who's at Fiorentina now he was a big part of like them winning midfield duels progressing the ball forward kind of being this solid team but yeah I think Verona are started picking up points in games at the right time for them and I think that yeah I, I would say they have a bit more momentum and a bit more know-how than the other teams above them um, and I think we'll likely see them stay up and I don't want that because it's the worst logo in the whole of the league like what is that thing yeah their old logo is much better I don't know what what that is the weird V sort of like it's in lion heads it looks kind of like capybaras when you're looking at it the different distance but yeah it, it just seems like this has been their their off season in terms of obviously we mentioned Juric and then um, Igor Tudor were both two excellent managers they had some excellent players that they've kind of lost and this season has just been they have none of the sort of things that make Verona a good team available to them like I don't think the managers 
anywhere near the quality that the previous two were, or even has any sort of, I mean, it's a 54-year-old, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Zaffaroni. He has nowhere near the quality or the ceiling because he's 54-year-old Italian journeyman sort of manager. But I just think that they're just better than the other two teams just because they've been around in the Serie A. Like, those players aren't their best players that they've had in the last few years, but they're still the better players and Serie A staple. Is it because no, they've got a Scottish I'm not, player? I was going to mention the Scottish player and I knew that you would. <laughs> he is actually very talented, but he's not getting the game. I think the biggest player for Verona is the other wing-back, uh, Farione, on the right. He's very good and he pops up with goals and assists. And they've got Verdi as well, who will score for them. And then obviously they've got the best-named man in Italian football, Kevin Lasagna. It's not very good, but it's got a good name. The name recognition, the fact that most people know who he is because he's called Kevin Lasagna, he doesn't get anywhere near the sort of goals. He's wasting that name recognition. As as someone who's done marketing in the past, he's wasting it. Um, but yeah, so if they stay up, I think it's a toss-up between Spezia and Lecce. And I've kind of already shown my hand here in the saying that I think Lecce are the one that go down because I just don't think they're good. Uh, they have a nice badge, much nicer badge than Verona, but um, I don't think it's as nice as a Spezia badge. I do love that. I do like. I might buy myself a Spezia kit because I do like Spezia's kit. But of the two, who do you think are more likely to go down? Honestly, it's a toss a coin, but Spezia have lost Inzola, who is the joint third top scorer in the league, and they're like fourth bottom. He has thirteen goals. I think three a penalty, but he scored 13 goals. Um, he's got the same amount of goals as uh, Lukman, more than Leal, more than Kvartskelia, more than Dybala. And they don't have him for the next kind of stretch of games. I think he's expected to be, at, be back towards the end of May. Like, him not being there puts this massive gaping hole in that Spezia team. And I do think Spezia ha- do have some quality. Like, uh, they've got Simone Bastoni at full-back, who's very good, very creative on the ball. Uh, they've got Daniel Maldini, who's popped up with a few goals recently. Like you said, they've got Ampadu, who has been very good for them. Always good for a red card, Ethan Ampadu, but he is good. So the fact that they don't have that goal scorer concerns me a lot for Spezia. And I've really, really enjoyed Spezia's time in Serie A, but I, I don't think it looks good for them. And I think... It might be then. Oh, we have a difference of opinion. That's that's a fun one, isn't it? We can actually disagree. Yeah, I, I think. I think obviously, Spezia recently have had a bit a bit of that sort of grinding it out. Like they haven't needed a regular goal scorer because they've just kind of managed to get like the one or two no wins and stuff like that. I think they've been okay. Obviously, at this point, as we've already said, quality kind of goes out the window. It is just it could just be anyone. It could just be the worst football you've ever seen for like eight games and then one of them is just more worse <laughs> more worse that's a great word to say but yeah I, I, I do agree that, that that is a big miss I think it is really a toss up if, if we look at it like Spezia have scored 26 goals and Zola has scored 13 of them like genuinely he has scored 50% of their goals and then if we look at goals conceded Lecce have only conceded 38 Spezia have conceded 49. Like, there's a big gulf in... If Spezia are losing their goal threat, 
and they've got the same amount of goals as Lecce as well, by the way. So, but Lecce share the goals around more. Spezia are relying on this one guy and conceding more goals. I think that's a bad sign for them, even though they're both yeah. in free fall. I, I love how this this podcast usually works because I'll just say something based off like watching it, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, they're, they're shocking." But then Danny will be like, "No, here is cold hard facts and stats," and I'll be like, "Okay, maybe I agree with you now." Uh, but anything could happen. Is, is my thing and I, I like Spezia as a team I think they have more to give if they stay as a Serie A club so I'd like them to stay as a Serie A club but I, I, I kind of do agree where you're coming from with the fact that like Lecce just maybe have a bit more are able to kind of show it around a bit more obviously they've kind of got some decent players I think uh, but there's no one that that standout-ish I think you just said they kind of share it around so it's kind of I think they had Di Francesco that they got from Spal, Spal is that how you say it? SPL, SPAL. I, I I always I always get really annoyed with NAC acronyms because I'm just like, oh no, it's actually SPAL, and I'm like, is it Spal? And I just sound very English for just throwing it out there. But yeah, uh, I think I think it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, I'd love to see some of these teams trip up the top top four because I think that's the nice little part of it, like these teams beating the teams that you don't expect them to beat, and that kind of affects the top of the table. And I think this is. That's quite a nice thing. It would have been a lot nicer if Juventus hadn't just kind of thrown themselves back into the top four and made it a lot less interesting for everyone else. I mean, they still might fall out of it, to be fair, because obviously Milan and Roma are a lot closer than because they didn't beat Napoli. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be interesting. But yeah, Sampdoria, if you've got an Serie B, book your ideas up. That's all I want to say. I like you. got a nice badge. Like we just talked about it. Like, look at the badges. Sampdoria, nice badge. Cremonese, bad badge. Verona, bad badge. Spezia, nice badge. Spezia, nice badge. Lecce, could be better. Empoli, could be better. Salatana, is it a seahorse? Yeah, it is a seahorse. Yeah. It's by the I, I, sea. I, I thought it's a seahorse. It's a it seahorse like sea that's been like hitting the stomach with a shotgun. Like it's just properly like zing. Uh, I'm guessing it's meant to be an S, but like. <laughs> yeah, Sampdoria's is great because it's like the grumpy sailor. <laughs> even it doesn't even look like anything when you look at it. You have to like focus on what that actually yeah. is. Cremonese's is horrible, like one of the worst. Verona's is the worst. Spezia's is like fine, but it's also just looks like a knockoff Inter Milan. It, it's clean with the kit though, which is kind of gives them a bit of few bonus points. Yeah, yeah, they, but they they've got like nice like aesthetically pleasing colours like white black and gold I mean Lecce have got like yellow and red stripes with like blue away kits like they're just they've just randomly gone on paint Lecce (laughs) on Lecce like they do have some actually very good players they've got (laughs) Umtiti as their centre back which is the most random thing in the world like how he ended up there and then they've got uh, Hoylmund, who is uh, like this young Danish guy that's linked to Inter Juventus. You said Hoyland is a young Danish guy, and I just for a second I was, yeah, I thought you said Hoyland, and I was like, Hoyland. young Danish guy. I'm like, that. no, we're not completely <laughs> the wrong team here, Danny. Like, what? that's not what we're about. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it's this t- this end of the season is just who can not be as awful as each other. Like, who can just grind out these sort of? It doesn't have to look nice it's probably going to look miserable. But yeah. Verona's situation kind of reminds me of uh, of Leicester's, even though I think Leicester, in comparison, are a lot better than Verona. 
Like, Leicester are a better team in the Premier League than Verona are in Serie A, but it feels like everything's just not clicked in the same season and they've ended up in this relegation battle even though they probably have a bit more quality than the teams yeah, around I, Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I mean, I'm just looking at the Lecce team. It's a lot of people that I definitely got as non-rare golds for other teams on FIFA. It's probably the way I describe the Lecce team. <laughs> like Udon. Um, Udon from Bordeaux. I've definitely backed him before. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the, the, the way we're going to look at it. Obviously, like, Relegation fights are always fun. It's always interesting later in the season. I think the sort of, we wanted to look at this because the relegation in the Premier League is always made as a big thing. I don't think it's such a uh, a big thing anywhere else. Like I think in other leagues they kind of look at it as like, oh my god, it's all the all the teams are in it. Like, oh my god, why are we going down? Why are we this terrible? What is going on? Please help us. And everyone else is just kind of like, oh, we're interested with the title and the top four and stuff. We don't really care about you lot. It's only really the Premier League where it's big, big, big sort of stories. But I thought we'd look at it, we'd talk about it. I think at some point we're definitely going to have to do a history episode on Benevento because that Benevento season is genuinely... I, I, I was rooting for them to win. It was like a proper underdog thing. That diving header against Milan... <laughs> To get that point was just like people that had like never watched a game of Italian football before like saw that cut like that was the most one of the most iconic things I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, Com- comparative to relative relevance and ability of team, it was like ah yes, David Header. It's like it's like do you remember the one from the World Cup final? No. It's like do you remember when Benevento did it against Milan? It's like yes, 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 great goal, great goal. Uh, but I, I think that about rounds up. Like obviously this is a bit of a shorter episode. A lot of this is just speculation and us saying the problems of teams. Obviously, it's going to be something we look back at at the end of the season. It could be that we're completely wrong. Um, Obviously, Danny has already thrown a spanner into the works of my prediction of Lecce because he's like, oh, Spezia don't have their 50% of the goal striker. And I'm like, okay, Danny, thanks for that. Cheers. Nice one. Undermining me on on my own co-hosted podcast. Uh, (laughs) But thank you for listening. Danny, have you got anything to say before we head off? this one yeah thank you for listening uh, obviously we'll have a little break we'll probably have a league champion by the time we're back because if Napoli win and Lazio will lose against Inter this weekend that'll be that um, so yeah maybe a Napoli focused episode before the season ends so we can celebrate what's been quite a yeah we, we are gonna we have been playing that one for a while I think that's been a pretty obvious one that we're gonna have to try and get someone in to talk about Napoli and talk about this season because it is something that we've always kind of tried to steer, uh, steer away from because it is the one where it's like it's really boring talking about them just winning all the time if it's not the Napoli focused episode but I think that's everything again as Danny just said we will be taking a break next week but we will be back the week later hopefully with another guest to talk about uh, a team in particular but until then Hopefully we have some good weather here. Well, Daniel will probably have some good weather in Spain. But hopefully we have some good weather here. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your two weeks. And we'll see you next time. Ciao.